I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, Johnny, we are back at Flower & Co. doing a live recording we are. this afternoon. It's a pleasure. Um, I guess no podcast is live, but the the atmosphere is alive. Like, the studio doesn't have cars driving past. No. Yeah, there's people um, walking, there's dogs, there's uh, cars. Yeah, but this week, the Royal Commission into Misconduct into Banking, Superannuation and Financial Services and anything else, mm. um, they could get their mitts on, uh, the final report was released. Yeah. And I guess in the main, most people, and particularly our listeners, probably won't know or care too much about the detail of that report. Uh, and they've certainly heard the words Royal Commission been thrown around, whether it's mm. uh, the Banking and Financial Services Misconduct Royal Commission or yeah. the, the new one that's been released, the Aged Care Commission and the Building and Construction Royal Commission and um, corruption into uh, building and construction. Um, so the list goes on. There's yeah. a lot of uh, Royal Commissions. But I thought I'll just get started and just have a chat about what a Royal Commission is, because it's all well and good to hear this term thrown out there. Mm. You're listening to My Millennial Money. Oh, here's our coffee. Thank you. Are you having a coffee? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, Yours gets delivered first because you're uh, number one here. Exactly. Uno, uno. <laughs> uno, numero, numero uno. A Royal Commission is essentially a public inquiry. Mm-hmm. And for our listeners in the US, it's very similar to a grand jury. Now, the first Royal Commission in Australia was in 1902, which, you know, that was a long time ago, but they're, mm. they're becoming more common. And usually a retired judge will head up the commission and the government of the day will call for Royal Commission. Mm. Now, you'll note... Um, because, you know, the words Royal Commission, it's actually got nothing to do with the Parliament. So, the final report is handed to the Governor-General. Okay? So, so Kenneth Hayne. Yes. Uh, he's probably the most talked about man on the planet in Australian terms this week. Yes. Um, give me a quick, or, or give the listeners a quick um, overview of where he's come from. Uh, I don't know. He's probably just a retired judge. Yeah. In fact, I'm sure he's a retired judge. He's a big name now. Yeah. So, (laughs) and he was probably a big name before. Yeah. um, In, you know, legal circles. If you followed it, yeah. Uh, So, yeah, essentially, retired judge, uh, the government calls for a royal commission. And then once a royal commission starts and is established, the government actually can't interfere or stop it. Right. So, the, the commissioner has full power to extend it. He or she, whoever is the commissioner, has complete control over the mm. outcome. And a royal commission can um, summon a witness. Here's your coffee. Thank you. They can compel witnesses to produce documents yep. and they can force a testimony. Um, 
even if it's a self-incriminating testimony. Yeah. Um, and they don't actually have the right to silence. So, unlike mm. America, you can't plead the fifth. No. Um, That's interesting, isn't it? So, it, it's a very useful tool. And generally speaking, I believe in this political climate, because we've had, you know, 5,000 prime ministers in the last 10 minutes in mm. Australia. Mm. Uh, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, I believe it's political, in a sense, to call a recommendation because the government of the day can say, look what we did, you know, we clean this up, we established the Royal Commission. Um, yeah, it's interesting that uh, the previous Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, came out yesterday or the day before, yep. I think, and said, well, do you regret not um, approving the Royal Commission three years ago, I think it was asked for, wasn't it? Yes. And uh, he goes, yeah, look, I do. Um, yeah. Too yeah. late now, big boy. Yeah, and the thing is, um, there's usually a saying you only, you know, call for a royal commission if you know the outcome mm. uh, and the reason why because there's one thing that government sets and that's the terms of reference so the government says hey we're doing a royal commission uh, into misconduct mm. uh, in the banking financial services superannuation yep. etc so the government can set the framework but generally they would only set a framework where they would know a likely outcome yeah uh, but you know in this case the amount of surprises that came out of the Royal Commission mm. in terms of uh, misconduct mm. um, surprised a lot of people. So, the findings? Yeah, well, I just want to um, f- swing around. Um, you know, it is very political and I think the main thing I'll drive home today is in relation to the Royal Commission, because the government can't control it or control the outcome, they can only commence it. It doesn't actually matter what the politicians say at the moment. And the only no. reason why, um, I believe the Liberal government called for the Royal Commission because possibly they knew that um, their term was up and they wanted to say, we called for this mm. as a last stake in the ground. Very similar to the same-sex marriage mm. plebiscite or the... Uh, changing the legislation, they were against it. And then all of a sudden, oh, we might not be in government. Let's leave the legacy of we called for the same-sex marriage. We yep. called for the uh, yep. Banking Royal Commission. Yeah, good call. But then conversely, uh, let's remember Bill Shorten, the current opposition leader, used to be the minister for superannuation and financial yeah, services. Finance, yeah. And if he was so passionate about the RC back then, why didn't he call for it? So yep. I think we just need to say politically, let's, you know, who cares <laughs> to a point because yeah. uh, they'll try and get as much political mileage out of it as possible. Yeah, hidden agendas and everything else. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we do know one thing. The government did release a response to the Royal Commission uh, and there were 76 recommendations. And mm. I actually have read a whole heap of the Royal Commission. I think the report's like 500 pages. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Monday night when it was released, it was like midnight and I was reading it. And I'm like, what the hell am I doing? I'm going to bed. Uh, and, so, and it's written in everyday language. So, if you are mm. interested, there's a summary of all the recommendations yep. in like a red color. And then the government actually put out a response document. Yeah. Um, or if you want a shortened version, again, go to the Sydney Morning Herald or the Financial yeah, Review. Basically. Or- <laughs> um, but it's important to note that the treasurer came out and said, you know, the 76 recommendations, we're pretty keen on 75 of them. There was one that wasn't. Um, there's one that they basically weren't that happy with, uh, yep. which we'll get to. That uh, he said there's no free kicks to the banks, which mm. that's what he said. Uh, other people will say otherwise. Now, 
Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? The banks, uh, which I thought the, was the major focus on, or the big four at least. Yeah, and their share prices in the, the following days um, just exploded. It has. Um, and and I, my ignorant view on that is clearly everyone thought that there was going to be a much bigger impact on the banks. And as a result of the not being, their, their share, price, share price rose, yeah? Yeah, and that's right. And because... There was actually no um, structural changes recommended to the yeah. banking system. Yeah. Um, so I think publicly the banks are saying, you know, we're sorry, we're sorry, but behind doors, there's certainly there's probably been some champagnes popped at some um, business as usual, isn't it? Maybe some, some high heads fly, and that might be about it. Yeah. So I guess what I want to actually have a chat to you today about John and discuss what are some of the um, the issues that you saw come out mm. and what are, in your view, uh, of importance to our listeners. Oh, and Erin was going to come down today. She was booked in, but then she had to go to court or something for one of the cases. Yeah, because so, she's practices in that Because she's a lawyer yeah. and there was a court thing and anyway, yeah, so she, that's why Erin's not She here. wasn't speeding or anything. No. <laughs> um, yeah, so look, the... The one that obviously stands out for all of us um, and, and especially relates to, to most of the listers, I would have thought, would be the the mortgage-broking recommendation. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, to basically saying that mortgage brokers or, or banks are not allowed to now pass on any trail commissions to mortgage brokers. Or upfront commissions. I thought that the recommendation may have still kept some upfront commissions. Is yeah, that so, incorrect? Yeah, so I'll, I'll just I'll back up for two seconds. Um, number one, the government response potentially means nothing mm. if they don't win the next election. Correct. Where um, Chris Bowen, mm. before the final report was released, said that he would implement all the recommendations. Who's the treasurer? Who's the, op- the opposition? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the shadow treasurer, yep. effectively, shadow, yep. said, we're going to implement all the recommendations. With it. And he was quizzed, like, we haven't even seen them. He's like, don't care, we're doing it. So, I mean, that's a little bit political. So yeah. I, I would say there is a difference between the recommendations and then the implementation and mm. policy. And because there are a lot of um, things that reports like this recommend, mm. but they're not practical workarounds or solutions. Mm. So... That's just a, um, side note. A, a side note. I'll start by saying how the climate works now if you're a mortgage broker. Okay. So you might have a business, John, John Pigeon Mortgage Broking, mm-hmm. and you may have a panel of lenders that you know details about each product and what may suit a first home buyer or a small business owner or something like that. Um, and ultimately, you do all the work with the client, find them a loan, apply with the client on their behalf, do all the paperwork. And then whoever they, whoever you put that client with, that bank will pay you a commission for doing that work. Yeah. And then each year that that person has the loan, every month you'll get a small trail commission yep. to look after that client and service their mortgage. So, as an upfront commission and a trail. So, that's why you can go to a, a mortgage broker and there's no cost mm. to you because... At the end of the day, nothing's free. Mm. Um, it's essentially factored into the interest rate. But the big issue I have, number one, I don't see the banks 
ever reducing the interest rate. So if the, the Royal Commission says we need to strip out all commission with mortgage brokers, mm. um, the banks are very unlikely to rebate that commission back in terms of the interest rate. No, but there's a bigger issue than that, I think. Which <clears throat> is? Which is their recommendation of the client having to pay a fee for the mortgage broker's service to compensate the mortgage broker for their uh, time. And the bank still getting the money that they would have ordinarily paid out. So the banks win there. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's funny. So the Royal Commission said no commission in mortgages. The government response was, hey, we probably support upfront Mm. commissions. So if a mortgage broker, because it goes back to competition, like... So, for example, if you were a mortgage broker in the new climate that couldn't yep. receive commission, would I do this? Would I go to John and say, hey, John, I need a mortgage? And you say, yeah, that's going to be $2,200 because mm. that's my fee to do all the work. Yeah. Or would I just do a quick comparison online, walk into the bank, get a mortgage through their mortgage agent mm. and not have to pay the $2,000? Now, there's a risk there that, number one, the bank that I go to isn't suited for me and they might I might apply and get declined, which dings my credit, yep. where you as a, a good mortgage broker would say, hey, don't apply with that bank. You won't get through. It's not worth it. Yeah, and you'd understand all sorts of things like um, LMI servicing um, person's history, the, the bank's lending history, their, uh, their policies and procedures on any type of loan, really. Yeah, so we think this is a, a huge deal. Um, and again, there's a difference between the recommendations and implementation mm. and also the recommendations, the government's response, because the government's response might not matter if they're not the government in June. So mm. it's a very, very complex situation at the moment. Uh, there's mortgage broking companies that have tens of staff um, that effectively their businesses may stop overnight. And it's actually not good for the economy because there's less people employed. Mm. And two, for choice. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it's all probably and come about because of potentially um, conflicts of interest of, of mortgage brokers maybe saying, well, I've got a great relationship with Westpac. That's going to be the easiest for this client. Not particularly looking at the client's interest in detail, just going straight to what's easiest. Exactly. Now, okay, so you know I, I'll never do a podcast. While it might be late notice and mm. feel unprepared mm. leading up to when we press record, I'm a little bit prepared when you get when your we game do. face on a bit. Yeah, so I did a bit of research. There's at the moment there's sixteen thousand mortgage brokers in Australia, yep. and that was on the uh, on a website, the Mortgage Brokers Association, and that but that was at 2017 in March. Okay, so let's just use Pretty that number, sixteen thousand. Yep. Uh, mortgage brokers over last financial year, the number of complaints with the Credit and Investment Ombudsman, which is now uh, AFCA, the Australian Financial Complaints Authority. In that financial year, over the 16,000 mortgage brokers, there was only 136 complaints received against mortgage brokers. Wow. Now, if that was one complaint per mortgage broker, let's just say 136 mortgage Mm. brokers, that works out to be 0.85% of the whole industry had a complaint last financial year. It's pretty solid, isn't it? So... That's that's almost like that's nothing. Mm. It's so yes, it was a big shock, but we want to move on. So that's probably one of the bigger impacts. So a conspiracy theory. Yeah. The banks got close relations with uh, 
with the government and um, and the hierarchy, and have been protected in this whole uh, whole royal commission. And the mortgage broker's taken the hit. I can't see how that's true because the Royal Commission is completely independent of government. I know that word independent comes up. Sure. But so, so you're saying conspiracy theory, Uncle Kenny yes. is allegedly <laughs> allegedly in collusion with the big four. That's what I'm saying here today. <laughs> I'm glad I used that word allegedly because I don't want to get sued. And and I will say, like, I'm just a guy sitting at Swoon Bay with a freaking microphone. Same. I'm not a highly esteemed, qualified judge who's intelligent. No. But into my next issue that I have... Intelligent, yes. Yes. Well, we'll see. Mm. My next issue that I thought was the completely almost hilarious, um, and it is a bit of a comedy podcast. So, in Australia, we've got, you know, quote unquote, a Twin Peaks model of yes. governance over the financial world. So, that's yep. APRA, which is the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority. Mm-hmm. And they're an independent statutory authority that supervises, you know, banking, uh, insurance companies, super companies. And then the other peak is ASIC, which is the Australian Securities and Investment Commission. And they basically enforce the law. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, so, they make sure that everybody's playing by the rules of the Corporations Act. Okay. So, in Australia, we've got APRA and ASIC. Now, I think it was funny. In the interim report, um, when all the worst offenders came out, like the banks and, you know, the, the, the AMPs of the world and the IOOFs of the world, um, the commissioner or the commission invited, quote-unquote, the regulator co- to consider the worst offenders. So, basically, he said, and he didn't name anybody or anyone, he just referred these big corporates back to the regulators in the final report. Mm. Now, another recommendation he made was of the two regulators who he was critical of during the Royal Commission, he's recommended a watchdog over the two regulators. So, So a new um, oversight authority to watch the watchdogs. Yes, so a double watch. A double watch, but also he's referring the corrupt banks to this to the regulators Regulator. who need watching to get <laughs> sorted out rather than him saying yeah. blatantly I recommend the CEO of XYZ banks should have criminal charges against them yes. which would then really cause a stir which is really what they were thinking was going to happen absolutely a week ago or? I mean after the Art Royal Commission testimonies like pretty much the AMP board was exposed for yeah. doing a whole heap of dodgy things yeah so, so what else have you why got there? do we need two regulators to begin with well, one is a bit of an oversight. So, the APRA is basically accountable to the parliament. Yes. And ASIC um, do the day-to-day enforcement. So, but surely that can be combined as one? Well, that's what you'll think. But he's mm. just saying, no, we'll yeah. have an oversight authority. But remember, APRA was established following another review in 1998. Yeah. So, it's like... <laughs> how many 20, people, 20 years. Yeah, but it's mm. like... So, APRA's been around for 20 years... But now APRA needs an oversight because APRA was put in place to do some oversight. Yeah, big like, brothers coming in to have a look. So I've I've um, I've found a win and a, and a win in an area that I'm pretty passionate about because sure. it it was my childhood. Yep, and that's uh, the treatment of farmers. Yes, by banks. Yes. Now, I know it's been a small percentage, but over the last probably more so in the last five to ten years, when there has been a lot more drought around the country. 
And shout out to all the farmers listening. And you know we've got um, we've got listeners who actually drive machinery on farms on podcast while listening to podcast. Yes. Fantastic! So we've Love had it. people reply to say, I, "I work on a property," and I was actually chatting to one girl who is a she grows Brussels sprouts right in I think South Australia on the yeah. farm, and they listen to the podcast while they're working. Or, yep. So Driving we've got a lot of trucks and, um, yeah. Graziers um, and produce people, so you yeah. are our people. Shout out, <laughs> shout out. Yeah, so yeah, so it has been a small percentage, but over the last ten or so years, probably more so, um, banks have have literally come in and said, "We're taking your farm away yes. from you," without a whole lot of warning. Yeah, um, you're in too much debt. Your leverage too high. Yeah, away you go. And I'll give you an example of one thing, and this is a fictitious example mm. but it represents what we're talking about John you've got a farm mm. it's worth three million dollars uh, you borrow three million dollars and a lot of these farmers might have a million dollar overdraft and yes. run in overdraft correct um, when they valued your farm at three million dollars it was um, there was no drought mm. drought comes in not a blade of grass anywhere the bank revalue overnight and mm. go, your farm's only worth a million dollars and call in the loan. No, yeah, 100% and, leverage. And people were getting yeah. screwed and there were suicides and they were charging default interest. So yeah. I guess the long and the short, the, the RC has cleaned up and suggested many changes mm. to how uh, farmers are treated with banks. Yeah, so they're basically adopting or proposing to adopt a mediation process where the banks can no longer just go in and and demand the the keys. Kick the door down and all that. Um, There needs to be a mediation process. Um, Also, which I think is great, is if your area or your farm is considered to be in drought, um, the banks cannot charge um, default interest through that time. Now, the scary issue with that is as soon as your farm comes out of drought, you better hope to have some cash up your sleeve. Um, So... Yeah, speaking to a, a farmer this morning about that, actually, and, um, yeah, that was their big concern. But nevertheless, it's a win for but, the farmers. But I think on balance, a lot of farmers are happy that there was some type of justice or Correct. change for the future. Yeah, and ultimately, they're the, the, I suppose, they put food on the table for most of Australia. Mm. I mean, yes, sure, their, their food and produce might go overseas and we buy it back, but um, yeah. evidently they're... Uh, they're often forgotten about, aren't they? Uh, anything else that you found of note? Good to see the car dealers coming back yeah, in. That was one of my thing that, um, you know, there's actually now will be a cap of, on commissions for car insurances sold yeah. inside car yards. I think that was it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't read too much. No, and that, I don't think any of the details, like the commission didn't say cap it to mm. X amount. They just said it needs to be sorted. Yeah. Um, so, wheeling back around to the mortgage broker, they're, they're essentially now, if that's adopted... They're essentially running similar to a financial advisor like yourself in, in terms, terms of, of fee for service. Yes. So, mm. but I'll just back up. One thing that they did recommend that mortgage brokers adopt a best interest duty. Like, right. so me as a financial advisor, I've got to prove that uh, I've basically done seven things yep. that I've acted in the client's best interest. And if I don't do that, right, yeah. um, I've broken the law and there's civil penalty. Yeah. Um, that's basically the same thing that um, 
they've brought mortgage brokers into sure. and there's a few other things that they'll bring the mortgage brokers more in line with um, financial yeah. advisors. Um, yeah, okay. Now, in terms of life insurance, so if, uh, kind of similar and for the sake of time, you've got to go in a couple of minutes. Um, there's a life insurance review in progress at the moment. Mm. So, uh, two years ago, there was a review on life insurance and the high commissions um, and they're scaling down um, and almost halving um, and it'll end in 2021. Yep. So, the Hain Royal Commission said um, you should we should see that review play out and yep. it's AF in, and if ASIC find that there has been no changes, um, perhaps life insurance commissions are on the chopping block. Sure. Now, I will say one thing. John, you come to me and say, Glenn, I want some. I want a million dollars of death cover for my mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, a financial advisor will set that up. They'll look at the most appropriate life insurance companies and go, yeah. this one suits you. The life insurance company will pay the financial advisor a commission. Yeah. And then Visor is your point of call. So, if you need to change mm-hmm. any... Increase, decrease, change the bank account details, yeah. you go through the financial advisor. Yeah. Now, the UK scrapped life insurance commissions uh, a couple of years well, I don't actually know when, I forget the exact date, but they scrapped life insurance commissions. Mm. No one took out life insurance, so they reinstated commissions because if you came to me, John, and said, I want a million dollars of life insurance, yeah. again, I said, yeah, I can set it up for you, but yeah. it's going to cost $2,000. Yeah. You're not going to take it. No. So... It's yeah, it's a no-win situation, isn't yeah. it? And and I think um, the issue with the, the mortgage broker, and, and I'm harping on this a bit um, because it's a massive change for the industry, is is uh, the level of after-sales service for a mortgage broker now is um, may wane or will wane because if there is an upfront commission given yeah. and no trail, yeah. there's not a whole bunch of incentive for the mortgage broker but to continue. I will counter that and play devil's advocate for two seconds. Sure. Um, you know, if I receive an ongoing life insurance commission, mm. um, I am paid to administer the policy. Yep. So, if you need the bank details changed, you call me and my office and we sort it out. Yep. If I need my mortgage um, drawer account changed where I want the payment mm. to come from, if I call my mortgage broker, they're going to say call the bank. Correct. So, that's one area they can't completely service the loan ongoing. Yeah. Number two, I'm paid life insurance commissions mm. if there's a claim. So, if someone yeah. dies or if there's an accident and I'm the advisor yeah. on the policy, I'll work... For, like, I was at Gosford Hospital a couple of months ago with a client who'd just been diagnosed with cancer, yeah. doing the claim documents. I did a terminal illness claim. Yeah. So, it is slightly different. So... Yeah. But the problem with this, I, I see, yeah. and it's an obvious one, is... I take a. You're a mortgage broker, right? I take out a loan through through you. Yeah. You've serviced a loan through Westpac, for example. Yeah. Um, where's your next dollar coming from? The next client or a refinance of sure. my loan? So there's another upfront Incentive. commission. Yeah. Right. So however, it'll encourage yeah, refinances. However, there is a clawback period of that commission that goes out a couple of years. And that's where we need to see the fine print, right? Yeah. And again, hear me correctly, I'm not against uh, trail commission for mm. mortgages. No. But I'm against, well, I'm for a structural change, possibly. So if I need something changed on my loan, I can call my broker direct. And not have to call the bank. That would be cool, and, wouldn't and it? And that's because, the big issue, yeah. Because that's who I've got the relationship with. Correct. And Don't, that's why you and, engage them, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Like, I hate, you know, talking to my broker, hey, I need to change this on my loan. Oh, you've got to call the bank for that. Yeah. Where yeah. 
So it, it is different. Mm. Um, I just can't see why they've done it. Personally, well, it was but, totally a shock. Mm. I just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, so I would say watch this space. Um, um, just quickly, sure. uh, did I read July 2020 as the earliest implementation date of any of these 76 potential changes? Um, I thought I did, but... So, so for the listeners, it would be minimum 18 months before any of this has changed? Uh, here we go. Yeah. From July 2020, the government will prohibit for new loans the payment of trail commissions yeah. from lenders. Yeah, so... The next 12 months, um, there'll probably be a lot of very busy mortgage brokers, I'd imagine. <laughs> Trying to source some new business. Yeah. Mm. But again, does it mean anything given that this is the government's response? Mm. If they get voted out in May, what's the Labor Party? What's their response? I'd say, given history, it'll be a, a very uh, different but similar view. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'll just... Because you literally need to go, don't you? Mm. Um, there was a couple of other things that I thought were wins. It will now... Um, it, was recommend that, it was recommended that uh, there's no hawking for super and insurance products. So, you can't yep. get cold calls for insurance. Yoo-hoo. That's so good, isn't it? Oh, nothing worse than hawking. Um, I, I actually sometimes play the game with the hawker. So do I. Uh, just... Um, well, my wife hates it, but sometimes you get a bit of a thrill out of it. Yeah. Um, Funeral insurance will now be considered a financial product. So, it usually yep. it used to sit outside of that. So, get rid of all those crappy ads during the day. That would yep. be nice. That would be good. Uh, this is a good one for um, superannuation. Mm. The recommendation for one default account. So, if you, so what will happen is there will be a mechanism probably through MyGov or the ATO mm-hmm. that will pin one default account to you. Oh, yeah. So, if you get five new jobs over the next five years... That all the super just goes to your one default account. How good and obvious is that? Oh, so that's a really good one. Um, dodgy financial advisors, uh, there will be more information sharing between regulators and licensees mm-hmm. of the financial advisors. Yep. So that's okay. just that's good. That's a no brainer, that one. Yeah. Um, I guess that's kind of all we had written down as the big takes that might be of interest to our listeners. Yeah. And look, it may be somewhat of a, a boring conversation mm. for those who aren't that interested in it, but I think indirectly it's going to affect all of our listeners at some stage throughout the next yeah. five years. And I will say I actually printed two more recommendations. Recommendation 5.6, changing culture and governance. Yeah. All financial services ent- entities should, as often as reasonably possible, take proper steps to assess the entity's culture and governance, identify problems with that culture and governance, deal with these problems or deal with those problems and ter- determine whether the changes it has made has been effective. Now, so basically they're saying the banking culture sucks, mm. uh, greedy's good, the wolf of bloody, you know, Pitt Street, Sydney Australia. or whatever. Yep. You can't legislate out fraud and culture. No. So for A&P, the stuff that was going on there clearly came from the top. Mm. Now, you can't... Yeah, so it'll just be very interesting. Uh, while there has been a recommendation that there's some cultural things, to me, that's the big one. The proof in all of this will be how these 24 companies are treated um, in, in, in their referral to... ASIC and APRA sure. for, for action or potential action. Yes. If they sit back and do five-eighths of bugger all, mm. then that's conclusive of the whole commission has been a, more or less a waste of time. 
if they're if heads fly and and there's long-term implications for those 24 companies then it's done its job yeah that's right so mm. i just it's a what to this space yeah thanks glenn all right thanks john we had some listener questions but we just don't have time because oh, you've got to go but um thanks for that and if you do have any specific questions email john don't email me correct okay see you guys yeah, bye, bye. Remember, we hang out on Insta at MyMillennialMoney. If you're a regular listener, you're welcome to join our Facebook group. If you want more money hacks, be sure to subscribe to My Millennial Money Express. It's short money hacks anywhere, anytime, right into your ears. Any advice in this podcast is of a general nature only and has not been tailored to your personal circumstances. Please seek personal advice prior to acting on this information. Before making a decision to acquire a financial product, you should obtain and read the product disclosure statement relating to that product. Opinions constitute our judgment at the time of issue and are subject to change. Neither the licensee, any of the National Australia Group of Companies, nor their employees or directors give any warranty of accuracy nor accept any responsibility for errors or omissions in this podcast. Glenn James, Urban Gator Proprietary Limited, trading as Sort Your Money Out, are authorised representatives of Apogee Financial Planning Limited, AFSL 230689. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.